You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who was the doctor's best companion? That's right, we're talking Doctor Who companions. We're going to give our top five today. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the priest of the geeks. I am a huge Doctor Who fan. I'm Joshua Knoll. I've been a biblical studies whatever student forever, it seems like. And I'm really excited to introduce the one and only Joe Day. Welcome to the show, man. What you been geeking out on? Uh, I am still firmly uh, going through the DC animated universe with my wife. This is the first time she's seen any of this stuff. And so getting a chance to go back through it with her. Fantastic. Um, I am Joe Day. I am one of your illustrious hosts to find all my things. You can check us out. Systematicecology.org host tab gotta plug the website did i do it right josh just kidding (laughs) um i am very excited to to cut it up about um uh, about doctor who you know i i don't i would definitely say i'm not as avid a fan as you are but um man i will say when doctor who is at its finest uh i i challenge anybody to really stand up to it from a storytelling standpoint oh yeah my love for Doctor Who is probably sick. I might need help. <laughs> what I've been geeking out on lately, though, isn't Doctor Who. Thanks to our drive-in series. Here's another plug. Guys, you got to check out these Friday episodes during the summer. We're doing drive-in movies, talking about old movies. I've been on a Harrison Ford kick, just watching literally every Harrison Ford film I can find. And I'm like, this is great. I'm, I mean, I'm doing research for the show. <laughs> right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great times. With that being said, I am. I am very excited to talk Doctor Who. It is one of my favorite geekdoms, if not my favorite. It's a, like Kingdom Hearts is up there, too. I got a few weird ones. Doctor Who is one of them. And um, yeah, one of the big parts of Doctor Who is his companion, right? So the Doctor, we've done episodes about the Doctor before. He is a species known as the Time Lord. He dies. He regenerates. They live forever. He can travel through time and space. That's sort of the whole gig. And the companion, for a lot of people is the relatable one. The doctor's old and wise and can travel through time and whatever. And the companions, a lot of the times, one of us. Not always, but a lot of times it's, you know, it's one of us. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the companion. We're going to talk about why the companion matters, what it brings to the show. We're going to give our top five. I want to get to that as soon as we can. But first, Joe, who was the first companion that you met? So the first companion that I met was Rose. Um... And I was I was quickly uh, taught exactly what the worst of Doctor Who companions look like. I'm kidding. I had to throw it <laughs> throw it out there. Um, yeah, Rose was my first, and I, I had the the value of hindsight. Of hindsight, um, when I found Doctor Who, I, it was already like well into its life, and so you could go through entire runs uninterrupted be able to see the full arcs as you know in continuous order with these different companions and the one thing i will say as far as doctor who and its companions you hit the nail on the head with the whole relatable piece because when that story is told well and i'll even give credit where credit is due there are random one-off episodes where rose even manages to to accomplish this it's it's a great vehicle for putting the audience in in the or in the passenger seat with Doctor Who to be able to allow for um, a different kind of layer of immersiveness for the right fan that mm-hmm. not a lot of other 
um, fandoms can compete with as far as being able to give that to their audience. So just uh, honestly, that that is being able to, yeah, we'll we'll get into the the <laughs> the fun stuff as far as what the lists look like. But just throwing that out there, that's why I'm so excited to talk about these uh, to talk about these lists. But it was interesting to see Rose first. You know, I just to to I'm I'm not going to necessarily give her her flowers as far as this this episode goes, but Funny. it was an interesting beginning point because it was very much leaning hard into the side of the companion that is like love interest and all of that. And so it was interesting to see that companion, that first introduction to the companion role, be somebody who's like infatuated with the doctor rather than just like a buddy, a companion, which I personally, you will see spoilers reflected hard (laughs) in my list as far as what I find to be the more desirable side of that companion relationship. Yeah. Uh, My first was also Rose, um, which the Doctor and Rose is one of my favorite love stories. And we've argued about that before. And I'm sure we will argue about it again in the future. We keep saying we're going to do a patron episode about that. But the first episode I ever watched was a patron episode. The first ever patron exclusive was me, you and Brandon reviewing the Satan pit. So oh, yeah, over to Patreon, you can check that out. That was my first introduction to a companion. Um, so I do want to ask one last thing before we really get into the good stuff. What makes a good a companion? Like, what are we rating these off of? So there's two main criteria that I register. Three main criteria criteria that I register to tr- to to develop a list like this. How much do they allow for a window to be to have an immersive experience into the story? Mm-hmm. How much do they add to the story? Yeah. And their character, like the quality of the character themselves. Those yeah. are the three. Um, there's other things that get introduced along the way with the different companions and different things like that. But if those three things are in place, a lot of the other stuff is way more forgivable in my eyes, which is actually part of the bigger reason why I'm not a fan of Rose is because before you even get to the love story portion, I don't think she I think you won't, you've already failed before you even get to the the bad love story creepy it's creepy guys if you didn't know <laughs> this the doctor who and rose storyline is creepy anyway continue <laughs> I will just simply say that my rebuttal to the creepiness has a lot to do with different anatomy and how age works and etc cetera, etc cetera, blah 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 stuff that doesn't matter that we will talk about another day one of the reasons I do actually appreciate rose is for me what makes a companion great is if they allow me to see the doctor from a different perspective, for me, the companion is actually all about the doctor. I want to see the doctor in a way that I haven't seen the doctor before. Right. So it's part that. And then part, I want someone who is relatable as in, I can understand them, but it's still inspiring. Like I don't want someone, that's why Rose doesn't make my list. Mm. Right. For me, Rose is really relatable, but I would never want to be like Rose. Like that is just not something I want. So that's why she doesn't quite make my list. I'll talk more about that in a second. But I think we've held off too long, Joe. I think we need to start on these lists. What yeah. uh, you want to you want to go first? What, let's start with our fourth and fifth. What, what do you got? 
So I'm going to start off um, cheating right out right out the gate. We're Perfect. just going to go ahead and start cheating. Um, I gotta I gotta give number five to to John Barrowman, Jack Hartness. Um, I so I actually first was introduced to John Barrowman by way of Arrow, and because he's he's the the big bad for seasons uh, one and two. Oh, well, more season one. Um, so I actually did not know that he was in Doctor Who prior prior to. I actually did not know who John Berriman was before Arrow. Um, <laughs> I, I I fell in love in a lot of ways. John Berriman is my spirit animal. Um, and, and he checks every single box. Like it's just, I could secure and I could gush and go over all of the individual <laughs> beats, but I'll be, I could do an entire episode on Jack Harkness. I think yeah, his storyline, um, I, I personally prefer him with um, Christopher Eccleston uh, huh. more than anybody else. But then again, yeah. I seem to have a much higher opinion of Christopher Eccleston's doctor than most Doctor Who fans. Um, I think he is amazing. I think it was highway robbery that we did not get more than one season with him, um, I think he belongs in that same conversation as David Tennant, as far as all-time doctors go. Agreed. I said what I said. Um, but yeah, I think his flamboyant nature, the one-liners, the sarcasm, um, his storyline as a whole, the character growth that you see this dude go through with dealing with um, the overall of, of learning that you have become immortal I think is just chef's kiss. And then you get that he is the head. I can't think of the actual character's name, the head in the jar. Um, the really yeah, old yeah, character. The head of Bo. The head of Bo. Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah, um, spoilers. That's Jack Harkness. Like it just <laughs> chef's chef's kiss. Yeah. Plus all of Torchwood. Great series. As far as spinoffs go. So I've only ever seen parts of Torchwood. I've been waiting because my wife and I were going to go through it together. Uh, and I haven't heard the best of things about Torchwood. Yeah, it's I like it, but it's not a good story of its own. It's just a fun world to kind of mingle in, I guess. Right. I, I do want to throw out there, though, because I just think it's ironic. Uh, I watched Arrow because Jack Harkness was in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, like it was the other way around for me where I was like, wait a minute, he's in that? <laughs> yeah, I've definitely heard from people Um that same thing that that Funny. he is that he was enough of a pull to get people interested in the show. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So, who's yeah. your number four? Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna catch some controversy on this one. Um, I, I'm gonna go with Martha Jones. Um, okay. Now, for all you diehards out there, I could hear the record scratch with everything you heard me say about Rose Tyler. And now I'm going with putting Martha <laughs> Rose in number four. I think when she is done well, and and really for me, that I think the premise of her just going around and telling the story of the doctor was kind of lame in its in its the actual story beat sense. But I thought her acting, somebody finally turned her character on and was like, yes, that we finally figured out the power that a character like Martha Jones can have. And I was here for it because I think when done well, I thought she was awesome. Absolutely. Um, and, and spoilers, guys, you're going to, for all of you old Who fans, look to Josh to light the way for you. You're going to, I'm not almost exclusively not going to have anything from old Who 
just by just by virtue of I'm not experienced. I've seen random one-offs, but I just don't know the the intricacies that is old who. So, but yeah, I think as far as at least if I'm taking new who companions, I think she deserves to be in that conversation. I could definitely see how she if she does if she doesn't if you're adding more strong characters into the mix. But I think she is is one of those characters that when they finally get her out of the realm of just being puppy dog in love with the doctor for no actual reason, just mm-hmm. because we want to write a character that is puppy dog in love with the doctor, uh, when they actually give her agency, I think it's awesome. Yeah. So for, for, for those who don't know, I am, again, really obsessed with Doctor Who. I have just an entire shelf of old Doctor Who DVDs, including some that were never released in the US. As such, I bought a PlayStation from the UK so that it would actually have access to play that DVD. (laughs) Bro, that's awesome. I did not know that about him either, guys. We all just learned that. I am just simply sick. Um, (laughs) Yeah, let me... The the extensive collection of 70s, 80s, and 90s obscure cartoons that I have is also sick. So you know what? We all have our vices. Perfect. Perfect. Um, that I'll, I also want to throw a disclaimer out there. The reason, Captain, the only reason Captain Jack did not make my list um, is because I, I was discluding him. Uh, there were right. some people like him and Wilfred that were companions that weren't like long-term companions. So I simply had to disclude because once I include all of them, it just became too hard. So this is yeah. just me taking the easy way out. <laughs> Yeah. The best part is, is I only have half of the looking glass to look through. I don't have the baggage of all of having to deal with two, basically two separate (laughs) sets of series and amalgamating one list out of the two of them. So there's plenty of room for me to cheat. That's why I said, I'm going to go ahead and cheat and open the doors up to guys like Jack Harkness. You're pulling from what, what, when it started back, was it 2008 when it started back? I don't know. Guys, I'm pulling from like the very beginning 60 years of this show almost. So I feel like I remember Doctor Who being on the air when I was in high school because I feel like I had friends that was in, that were into to Doctor Who when it was airing live. I want to say 2005, but don't quote me on that. Ah, uh, yes, 2005. <laughs> ah, there we go. I, I had to pull it up for that. To, OK, so so do anyway. so do in fact quote me on that one. <laughs> all right here we go so my number five is is largely in agreement with joe that that martha deserves to be in this conversation definitely i the, the infatuation is is why she's number five otherwise she could be a lot higher and if she had longer with the doctor i feel like we didn't get long enough with her for me the infatuation brought a new perspective i mean not really new because rose did it but whatever it brought that perspective and it was relatable in the sense that I, i've been around people where i'm like they're so incredible that it's hard not to kind of be infatuated a little bit. So I kind of right. got that. And then you have episodes like Blink, which is like one of the all-time best Doctor Who episodes, where her kind of, um, she wasn't controlling the Doctor, but her kind of weathering him allowed him to not take too long. And the messages he needed to send to different things, like without Martha in that story, I don't know that they get back. Right. And there's the fact that she is a doctor. Her being a doctor adds a unique perspective to the doctor you know you know what i mean so i liked that as well um my number four was the first ever companion susan foreman the doctor's granddaughter because <laughs> you have that family aspect you have another time lord i spoilers eh, spoilers double entendre i love 
I love when the doctor has companions that aren't just humans. Like I'm like, this is great. K9 was awesome. I didn't include him either because again, not the long-term companion or anything, but man, K9 was awesome. Susan Foreman was great just because of that. And because it's, it was interesting since I started with classic, I mean classic, since I started with the, the current doctor who going back and seeing him with his granddaughter and kind of playing a fatherly grandfather kind of role was really interesting for me because it's just not how I was used to viewing the doctor. So I found, yeah, I'm fascinated at the idea of seeing the doctor in like a grandfatherly sort of role like that. Like that's really, huh? I did not know that his first companion was his granddaughter. Um, canine I've seen. So that's what, that's a lot of the, the random one-offs that I've seen of old who center around Sarah Jane and canine. Because that's okay. what all of my friends who are into old who recommend. If you're going to watch random one-offs, have it be centered around those two. Um, I did not know that. I guess this goes in line with the granddaughter thing, but I did not know that he ever partnered with other time lords. That's really interesting. Oh yeah, my and, all-time favorite is also a time lord. <laughs> and um, you mentioned the whole doctor thing with Martha. I thought that was a great introduction. I thought that served as an awesome introduction point for for her as a character. And part of it was I was so over Rose and the <laughs> fact that you were getting somebody who was like driven and had a career and had an identity past just the love interest of the, of the doctor and all of that kind of stuff. That to me, that was a really refreshing turn of pay. I just, my only complaint is I wish more of the series that are part of the series that she was in centered around those things and really push those things to first and foremost. Cause like you said, without that infatuation piece, if we would have just seen the volume turned all the way up to 11, like it was towards like the back part of when she was involved in the series, almost like when she leaves, I wish that wasn't her leaving. I wish that was her turning the page of saying, you know what? I'm done being infatuated. I'm still going to be on these adventures, but it's more of like a buddy cop sort of thing. They're both doctors, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That I would have loved to have seen. Oh, yeah. But her character progression at the end was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, second and third. What do you got? So second and third. Um, number three for me um, is is Rory Williams. Um, yeah. I said what I said. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, I think. I think. Rory deserves better than than Amelia Pond. I think um, all, I think all of that. <laughs> I think her entire character arc. I don't. She was one of the few ones that I didn't want to see a redemption arc for because I didn't care. Um, she I was did. a McGovern, a movable McGuffin that continued on the uh, the plot where she needed to, and was just a all around terrible human being. Um, and, and Rory deserved better because he was like the, the, the dog of the human world, just loyal to an absolute fault. Yes. You guys will probably never hear Joe and I agree as much as we do over this particular point. 
Yeah, yeah. I I, I figured you might you might agree yeah, with that. Yeah. Absolutely. No, she. There's there are specific scenes that I could get into that I just I understand the apologists. I've talked to the apologists about like them as a package and the greater narrative of it all. And she was just showing her human side when she threw herself at the doctor the night before she's supposed to get married. Like I just whatever. I mean, if that's yeah. if mm-hmm. whatever everybody's <laughs> list is their own. But yeah. Uh Rory, I think you see him be this guy that finally finds his voice and finally stands up. Like it's one of those things that like when it comes to him, he might be a pushover when it comes to the people he loves. woe be tied because he will to his dying breath fight for the things that he loves and the people that he loves. And so, uh, yeah, I think he, again, ticks all of the boxes. He, he's, he does more to push forward, the actual like to, to actually push forward the story rather than just be a movable piece to move forward the yeah. story. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm just so excited at how much we agree over this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rory. I would do a whole yeah. episode on Rory. You talk about Captain Jack. Man, Rory is a character. Yeah. And and honestly, I think um I, I think he is in a lot of ways the prototypical companion if you look at most of what makes a companion great for most doctor who fans he's almost archetypal archetypal yeah Yeah. whatever word (laughs) i'm trying to say um in 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 certain regards and yeah i think just the fact that he that he is is a misfit in a lot of regards and just kind of is getting getting drug along on this wild and out adventure and honestly, his foil to Matt Smith's doctor, which I won't qualify with actually going into all of the details of how we feel about doctor or about Matt Smith's doctor. <laughs> Go back and listen to some of our past materials on the doctor. I'll drop that link in the show notes. Yeah. I feel like I need it. We we there's a lot of context to be had about how we feel about that, but it's none of it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it almost makes it palatable in a lot of regards. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it it just it's one of those things like like Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds did a movie together called Safe House. I'm so not a Ryan Reynolds fan outside of like Deadpool. That, but, but being opposite Denzel Washington forced Ryan Reynolds to act better just because Denzel Washington is such a good, good actor. It's kind of along the same lines. Rory is such a strong character that it kind of force forces Matt Smith's doctor to come up to to come up like off of the level that he's at and come closer to Rory's level. I don't think he ever gets up to Rory's level from a character standpoint, but. Agreed. Yeah. Very much agreed. All right. What's your number two? Um, so my number two is Donna Noble. Um, it, it hurt me to only put her at number two and this is, (laughs) yeah. So Donna Noble from pillar to post is probably the most consistently fun character opposite the doctor for me. I am, for those of you that don't know, this is why I'm de- why Brandon always makes the joke that I'm Philly's favorite son. I'm as East Coast as they come. To me, Donna Noble has that East Coast spirit. Like, she'll tell you three different ways where you can stick something that she doesn't like and, like, not skip a beat. And, again, 
I so can't stand anything resembling a love interest between companion and doctor. It's so weird to me that so many lifetimes, this, this ancient creature and it's essentially a, with a creature. Like there's so many reasons why it so doesn't work for me. Like on so many levels that the fact that Donna to start off with is already a strong character that, that to have that be some, that just kind of carries the ball past the end zone for me. That, that like, that's the kind that like, it's more of like a buddy cop sort of, a sort of relationship. Um, and then you get into how you see her grow as a person, right? Like there's a lot of insecurity at first. There's a lot of holding people at arm's length at first, a lot of distrust. You, you see a lot of the, the relationship between mother and daughter and all of this kinds of things. And you see her character arc where still she's bristly and sarcastic, but you can see that she's becoming more a, a better human being. I guess is a good way of putting it in terms of this universe and things like that. I'm not going to get into how that applies to the real world and all of that. But I think from a character arc, you see a purity brought out of the doctor that reflects well off of the companion that makes me overall enjoy it more, especially since becoming a Christian. So now I'm going to feel like a jerk for disagreeing. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, so so in the number two slot, it hurt my heart that she's not number one. I'll explain in a minute after Josh gives his number number two and three why Donna Noble didn't hit number one for me. Donna Noble didn't even come close to like if there was a competition of all of the companions, it wouldn't yep. be there would be no competitor for who was last for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and it has nothing to do. Honestly, it does nothing to do with like how good or bad of a character it is as she is. It's yeah. more just that type of person annoys me so much is <laughs> the kind of person where like I had a friend who ended up in a relationship with someone who acted like that and we're not friends anymore. <laughs> not because of an argument or anything, just because I was like, I yeah. just avoid being around those kind of people. Her voice gets on my nerves. I find her incredibly shallow at first. I know she gets better at the end, but it's just so intolerable for me. I uh, of the doctor of the David Tennant episodes. I think the ones I watch the least are the ones with Donna because I just don't, That's I just funny. can't get it. And I know people love her and I know that I'm blasphemizing against everyone right now, but I really think a large part of it is that voice and a large part of it is her strong, obstinate, whatever kind of character. And I'm just like, I just don't, I just don't jive with that. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything other than that is just, uh, yeah, it's it's like a water and oil kind of situation. Yeah, I can I could definitely see that if that's not a care like an archetype that you are that you get along well with. She does such a good job of embodying that archetype that I could see how it would be very difficult to try and separate yourself and suspend your disbelief and like actually get into the series and all of those kinds of things. If there's that apprehension that does not let up, because like I said, she for better or for worse embodies this character. Oh yeah. And that's one where ironically, because she does such a good job, it makes it harder for me, right? Like she's yeah. so good at acting the character. Like it feels like that's really who that is. Like it feels real. And I'm like, I really don't want to be around that. So, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my, my number three and two, Number three was also Rory Williams. That's <laughs> so awesome. That, that's a fun one. For me, 
Man, when I talk about wanting to relate and a character inspire me, I feel much the way that Rory did all the way through his character progression where like I'm sort of the pushover a lot of the times and then where he kind of he became the man of the house kind of deal where he's like, I'm going to lead my family. As for me and my family, we will, you know, whatever kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's that is Rory Williams in the moment where he really makes that turnaround is when he becomes the last centurion, which is one yeah. of my favorite. Like I watched this these episodes just for Rory's story arc. And there's this moment where Amy's stuck in the box and who cares about Amy, whatever Rory cares about Amy. And uh, she's stuck in Pandora's box. And the doctor's like, all right, jump in. We're just going to travel the future and get her. And Rory's like, hold up. Who's going to be protecting her? And I was like, she doesn't need it. Will she be even slightly safer if I stay? And he stays for hundreds of years, just buy a box because she will be slightly safer. And for me, man, the, I don't know. Like, I don't, that to me characterizes what a Christian man should be for his family. And that's where he inspires me and where I'm like, I, I need to be Rory Williams. Yeah. <laughs> like at, at that point, screw the doctor. I want to be Rory. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I would, I would be, I, I'm in complete and total agreement. I think, you know, it's hard, especially for late 20, early 30 somethings. We're all kind of, a byproduct of a generation that came before us that had a really messed up take on what made a man, a man, especially in Christian circles. And so, um, to, to see, I'm going to use terms that are for you and I, and for anybody else that gets this, it's not going to be for anybody, but I'm not going to, I'm not, we don't have the time to secure him for me, qualify this three ways from Sunday to see a, a depiction of healthy, masculinity but fierce woe betide masculinity was really cool and like to see such a such an honest portrayal of a man loving his wife in such a way was really impactful for me as well and that to me really really resonated for for a lot of reasons, I mean, we could sit here and go just dive right into oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the the deeper end of this this conversation just off of this. But yeah, it's I, I am I am in complete and total agreement. Oh yeah, I honestly I'm getting goose. You can't see it because like my camera's crap, but I'm getting goosebumps literally just thinking about that story. And I, I, this will be my last my last piece on this before I tell you guys my number two. But there there is in the Bible where it talks about man being the head of the house, or whatever that gets pulled out of context and abused terribly and whatever. We'll talk about that some other day on one of our other podcasts, probably. But (laughs) there is a verse in there where it explains what it means for the man to be like Christ is to the church. And it says for a man to be willing to die, to give his life for his wife. And, And for better or worse, that's what Rory did, right? He gave his life and a few other lifetimes because he was just blessed with that much time to be able to love his wife with. And he used every second of it. Yeah, it's so, so I'm going <laughs> to, my last point, and then we can move on. <laughs> yes, um, yes. You know, there's a lot of, when you, th- when you talk about masculinity, there's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of camus mus macho that gets thrown around and all that. And that's kind of, there's like an archetype of what, it, which is, which has left a lot of men, um, lo- left them wanting as far as being able to have some kind of example that they can relate to um because not everybody is like that i am like that as a defense mechanism um but it it is what it is uh but 
we talked about this in, and this is the year of Lewis and we we've, this has come up several times. I'm kind of, I've, I have inadvertently become the constant voice through the Narnia series <laughs> because I love the Narnia, but one of the, the topics that comes up is what happens when, when truth is reflected in fiction, in yeah. fandoms, in created works, in art, all of those kinds of things. Beauty is what happened. Is the is what happens. Is the the through line there? You like you see it. I I could point to five. Just honestly, off the top of my head, I could point to five examples. Just boom, that I could point to that most people are will will unequivocally say are just beautiful pieces of art, yeah. just in whatever form they are. Because, and, and the through line is the connective tissue is that they all reflect truth. This is one of those situations. It ultimately reflects truth. Why is it so beautiful? And why can we just so easily jump to the deep end on this one topic? Is because, guys, we're literally talking about like stuff that's that's at the core of the male identity. Just being honest, you know what I mean? And the things that we are called into, there's a reason why if you listen to any sermon, if it, it, this is done well or it's done poorly, but the through line or the, 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 the connective tissue is that it's done where you, you see if people are reaching for a illustration of the relationship between God and the, or uh, mankind and the divine, you use the illustration of man and wife and, and yeah. the, the, the marriage relationship and all of that. And there's a reason why it, it automatically becomes this rich and deep conversation so fast is because guys like this is th this is a this is a beautiful example of what authentic manliness looks like and i point to i point to the whole to the whole picture not just when he picks up his sword and he gets real big and all of this yeah. kind of stuff like <laughs> no that's not that's a part of what happens during the sum total of the Rory arc, but Rory is this character that is largely unassuming. That is largely, like you said, uh, he, he can be the pushover. He can be the meek one and all of those kinds of things until it comes time to do what he's got to do. The manlier picture for me, rather than him holding the sword, was him sitting by the box. Yeah, and yeah. Just overall, that's something I feel like there's very few media or mediums out there that I'd say, hey, this paints a really good picture of what biblical manliness is. Right. But Doctor Who as a whole does a pretty good job of that. I mean, the Doctor himself, you know, you see a lot of this. It's more not about attacking and being the aggressor, but more about being a protector, a lover, someone who yeah. cares and defends for the people he cares about. And that's beautiful. And time to move on. <laughs> my number yeah, two. I can see that. <laughs> my number two. And, and I just want to say my one, two and three were all hard for me to pick from. It was difficult right. not to have Rory as one. On another day, he could have been because I just right. love him so much. Grace Holloway. And this is where I get get away with saying my top five is half and half because Grace happened in the movie in between Classic Who and New Who. OK, so so there we go. She was a doctor. Naturally, <laughs> I like doctor companions. It turns out that uh, he, he found in the emergency room and she does a lot more doctoring than Martha ever did, which is why I put her up a lot higher because you see the human medical field, the human trying to heal other people. In comparison with the kind of healing that the doctor does, not just in the movie, because I know the movie kind of flopped and that's controversial for people, but I like her character a lot in the audiobooks. I feel like she's really interesting in those. So that's where I have her at, just because I love the dynamic of seeing one type of healer 
compared to another and just kind of seeing that comparison and that push and pull where she's healing with what she knows and what we know as humans. And the doctor is almost healing on a deeper level. And it kind of shows me a new part of the doctor of, okay, he's not just healing these physical things. He's addressing systems, systematic situations. He's addressing these bigger ideas and she's there healing the body, which is also important. And the doc, and that's why the doctor works so well with her. I feel like so. Right. Yeah. That'll be my number two. All right, Joe, number one, who you got? So, I'm glad you literally teed me up perfectly by bringing up a character <laughs> that saw more time in the um, audiobooks and all of that. Um, so my number one has to be River Song. Again, I'm cheating. It's fine. I, love her. Um, I do love her. So that's part of why, like, especially after River was introduced. And I should say, my very first introduction before, like, I saw one time randomly was uh, the Weeping Angel, the, one of the Weeping Angel episodes. Yeah, yeah. The, that was very centered around River Song. And again, mm -hmm. I knew her as the mom from Arrow before I knew her as... I just uh, now registered that that's the same actress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so oh, I so so I think as far as Love and Trist go, she is the only one that does that well. And I'll be honest, I really, really enjoyed um, Peter Capaldi and River playing against each other. I thought that was a really oh, cool, yeah. especially oh, yeah. at the at that like that scene. You know, we all y'all went as soon as I said Peter Capaldi and River, y'all went to the exact same scene. <laughs> we all do. It's fine. Um, but especially in that, like, there's just such two quality actors chewing this the paint off the scenery like just acting yeah. their yeah. hearts out is yeah. just they it, it was it was a, they created a moment in in what they did um but i think you know she's fun she expands the story and i think she's a great foil for the doctor character as a whole because she comes along and takes the piss out of his character where he's like this <laughs> mystical and and almost like they they paint him to be nice spiritual in certain at certain times and things and like she just grounds him grounds the character as a whole in such a way that i think adds to the character when she's around um and, and so and i think she, her as an actor i think the job that she does and the way that she's able to have different relationships with the different iterations of the doctor oh yeah just is just chef's kiss and like Crazy. you'll you'll hear i've got a couple of honorable mentions to mention before we before we end this and honestly if you ask me at any other time my honorable mention and my one and two could be you you could catch any one of these <laughs> in the yeah. number one spot for me but yeah i think and honestly one of the one of the biggest travesties is that we didn't get an entire season and and just a recommendation for any of you that have never heard it she the river the the river song has uh character has a lot of time in the um the the audiobooks and i would definitely check you or to recommend that you check out those if you're a fan of her character yeah so my my number one is uh similar ish uh, i do want to say the only reason i didn't pick river is the same thing with wilfred and, 
and and um, canine and Captain Jack. I, I don't think of her as a, a regular companion, right. but it's one of those where I had to disclude those or else it would just simply be too difficult because <laughs> right. she is phenomenal. I yeah, I, I cannot begrudge anyone for having her as number one. Um, so that being said, my number one is Romana, the other Time Lord that was the Doctor Who that was the Doctor's companion. I loved her so much. And we see two of her gen- regenerations in the show um, in Classic Who, one of which travel a lot with the fourth Doctor, which is a lot of people's favorite Doctor. Not mine, but whatever. He's still good. And what I love about her is, A, she's the same species. So they, you know, they have that, like, we share a home kind of vibe going, which is cool. Because even his granddaughter, even though same species, didn't share that home. She didn't know of that home. So this was as much of the doctor's equal as you're going to get. But not in the way you would think. She's not, like, high intellectual like the doctor or anything like that. She's more, I want to explore. I want to see the world. So that's where you start to see the doctor just exploring and they have one episode that's a city of death it's not an episode i guess it's an arc they did like series so it would be the series city of death with the fourth doctor in romana and just her enjoying paris and her just being like this is cool i like paris (laughs) and seeing our world and stuff from her perspective and seeing the doctor realize oh yeah there's beauty out here in the universe i love that i love how she saw the beauty in the world so that that's going to be my number one pick. Also, it was just less weird to have a time lord than a human for me, for me, even right. though I, I could like some of the romantic stories or whatever. I still think it's less weird to have another time. lord. Yeah. And I feel like that would be an interesting spin to to experience is the the time lord with another time lord. I mean, yes, we get pieces of that along the way with like the master and stuff. But sort of a time lord, kind of, <laughs> yeah. But like, still different enough that it it's almost in my mind. River is an entirely different species, but not weird in the same way that it would be with a human. Yes, know? yes. Which is actually categorically true because she's part human and part time lord. But I just in my mind, she's not actually human. She's just like humanoid. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. So, so yeah, honorable mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Honorable mentions. You know, I know there is. So, so going along the same path of for my list, I opened up the floodgates for all side characters (laughs) within new who, um, I gotta give, give credit to Wilfred. My only complaint is that we didn't get an entire season with him, but he is I I struggle to think of another character that we were introduced to that could have been the foil for that scene with David Tennant. Yeah. Now that scene in and of itself is a controversial one. I have my own thoughts and opinions on it, but the one thing that I have to give them credit on is that like it or not, they made you feel a thing. I don't oh, yeah. care who you are. I if you do, if you actively don't like that scene, or if you actively did like that scene, they mean they, that means that they did their job. It means it made you confront some weird feelings. That's usually the determining factor as to whether or not you liked that scene more over than that scene itself. If that made sense, yeah. Um, his character is the thing that makes that work. If it does work, I don't know. It depends on when you ask me about whether or not that scene works. 
but without that without him there i don't like his 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 face acting his presence everything that he did up until that point him being the antithesis like the counter the counterbalance to david tennant having an emotional breakdown over very, probably the most human stuff that we ever hear the doctor go through and then you just have him over here i just that i'm not i'm not sure if i love it or if i hate it but it still ticks the boxes either way and that's why i have to give him the honorable mention but if i'm comparing consistently i think the only thing that goes against wilfred in this conversation and why he wasn't number 1 or 2 is just by sheer volume which i know is weird but i've also read a lot of the stuff from river phoenix or, or river song that uh that like i've i've listened to a lot of the audiobooks that yeah. she's been a part of i wholeheartedly agree except for i do know I love that scene and everything and every part of it. I, I think yeah. it's phenomenal. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, and, and I get it when I, when I am into it, I'm like, yeah. this is art. This is, this is acting as an art form. Oh yeah. By and, everybody involved. And as we said before, I think it was in the Dr. Who special episode, beautiful portrayal of what it was like to, for, for Christ to give his life for others, right? I mean, that, that's what that scene was. It was David Tennant seeing a human and deciding, I will give my life up for him. Beautiful scene, yeah. And honestly, I, I see it, I do. I'll be the first one to admit on this one, it's not you, it's me. Um, that scene is great if you don't have death anxiety. Uh, yeah. that's yeah that that's that's really what it comes down to and i understand that for some people they argue that it's against the doctor's character that he even had the breakdown in the first place that he didn't just do it like that you didn't that he had any kind of conflict about it and all of that kind of stuff uh without with the giant asterisk that i'm not an avid like rabid fan and i don't have old who to to bolster this opinion i i disagree that that that's outside of the realm of the doctor's character because we see that the doctor experiences a variety of emotions and a variety of things that's actually part of why i didn't like matt smith's doctor as much as i didn't like matt smith is because you did like you don't you just you you had an actor that was willing to play all and do all of the things thematically, and then you traded that in for jovial, just jovial, yeah. just one note jovial. Like that's it. You know that's you went from having filet mignon to having like skirt steak. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Just that's just accurate. Yeah. Right. Did you have any other honorable mentions or Sarah Jane? So I'm not <laughs> necessarily super well-versed in her character. I've seen random one-offs and I've seen where she crossed over into new who. Um, and I thought she was, whenever she was on the screen, she outshined everybody. I think everybody needed to try and keep up with her. I thought she, she was the leader of whatever scene that she was a part of. Um, and what it made me want to go back and watch the seasons where she is the active campaign. Um, so honorable mentions, I don't like, I don't think I have enough exposure to her character as a whole to justify putting her in my top five, but definitely I could see the appeal. Yeah. If you look up most like the top Doctor Who companion websites, one and two are often going to be Sarah Jane and Rose Tyler. We've discussed why we Rose Tyler didn't make ours a little bit. Uh, for me, Sarah Jane, 
and I know I'm controversial and the weird one. I'm Josh with the wrong opinions, and you maybe this just belongs on the list. She just kind of falls flat to me. I'm like, she's boring. Nothing about her is different than other companions to me. Like I could find it in other companions that are more interesting. None of the episodes she in, none of the episodes she is in, have really stood out that much to me. And I was like, okay. I mean, she's not bad. Just kind of whatever to me. That's how I feel about um, the one Peter Capaldi companion that most people put on their top Clara? list. No, no. Uh, yes, yes, Clara. I like Clara, but uh, I thought. She... Okay, so I thought randomly she was fine. I loved the idea that they gave her a, a love interest. I loved the guy that, like, the actor that yeah. played the love interest more than more than I enjoyed her character. And when he went and didn't come back, which I thought was a giant mistake, like, I thought that entire storyline was a mistake in a lot of regards, but that might be because of how big a mistake I thought the master was <laughs> in that and and uh, the fact that they killed him off. Like, I thought all in all, too many mistakes happened to accurately be able to judge how good that could have been with the Cybermen taking over. For me, the, the, this she'll be my only honorable mention would be Clara. And the only reason she doesn't make it is because a lot of the episodes she in kind of fall flat. It's not her act. It's not her character. I love her character. And, you know, I thought she was interesting. She she had a unique relationship with the doctor. I thought she was overblown by a lot. But like there was one or two really good episodes with her in it. And then for the most part, a lot of the episodes she's in are just kind of almost like filler episodes. Right. So the fact that she's not in like my favorite episodes or any of the big hits is sort of why she just kind of escapes my mind. I feel like, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, I think, I think she, I think her entire arc and and character and everything suffers by virtue of the trappings, like everything that it was surrounded by. Like I do think that Peter Capaldi's run catches more slack than it probably should i think it's not this abomination that everybody makes it out to be sometimes uh but that being said that doesn't mean that it was necessarily overly good and i thought her death scene was really dumb and like so yeah. anticlimactic <laughs> it was so bad that i just i don't know that's but i, I and and like you said about um like you had said i i just i think for her everything that's good about her is done better by other companions. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I, for, for me, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I know we've said this before and put it out there. So Capaldi is one of my favorite doctors. Clara could have been one of my favorite companions. I think them together could have been one of the best pairings. If it was not for the one and only show ruiner, I mean, runner Stephen Moffat. Thank you for ruining great content. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so I'll well, just, yeah, that's, I feel pretty strong. I'm going to say it like this. So after going through, and I'm going to, I'm going to either get thunderous applause or uh, upset some people, but my going through the old media that I've gone through and going through with my wife, because everything mm -hmm. that I've gone back through for the show and for everything, very little of it has been just me. She is, uh, yeah. nerd as well and so she has joined <laughs> me with most of this stuff and so going through the i i just tell a good story i don't care who like it's yes. you're never gonna catch me complaining inherently about representation or any of that kind of stuff just give me a good story that's a, what that's what i care about 
And if you uh-huh. don't give me a good story, I'm not going to enjoy the story. Like, that's going to be the thing that I'm going to complain about because that's the thing that I have have the complaints about. Yeah. I think I just made sense. <laughs> so yeah. what bothers me is when you fall on tired, tired tropes, like man has to be big, strong, muscly, blah, blah, blah. Man can't <laughs> have emotion. Just like, oh, women have to be damsels in distress. Like there's just some story beats that take away from the overall narrative and whenever it crosses into that i yeah i i can't i it it more takes away (laughs) from me from the whole of the experience if that's the sum total and if that makes me whatever that makes me whatever but i feel like i opened up my mouth and brandon came out shout out brother you did remind me of speaking of just when it's good story the characters they matter but Good story can really drive everything. So it reminds me of my recommendation. If you're about ready to wrap up, you think we're about there? Yeah. Awesome. Well, before we do, Brandon wants everyone to know that K9 is, in fact, the number one companion. Uh (laughs) Hey, so I had to do my shout out to Brandon. We missed you this episode, but we are ready for the wrap up. In my recommendation, is something I already mentioned. Death in Paris, not Death in Paris. That's not what it's called. City of Death. <laughs> the, the, the fourth doctor in Romana, getting to see them and how they view Paris, getting to see the beginning of the, either the universe or the world. I forget which one. I, I find it some pretty good story beats. It's one of those that you can watch on its own without knowing a ton of Doctor Who. So that's a fun one for me. Joe, do you have any recommendations for everybody listening? So I would recommend... If if audiobooks are your thing to track down um, the the Doctor Who stuff, specifically yeah. the stuff with with River in it, it is absolutely awesome. But just generally speaking, I feel about that in a lot of the same ways that I feel about the Star Wars Legends uh, stuff, like the old books and different things like that, all of that continued universe that isn't necessarily always considered in the full breadth of the conversation. Um, and I, I just think that with, with the stuff that they were able to do, it's one of the, it's one of the few times where the extended media captures the same spirit as the, the source material. That it's not you can you don't look at it as something that was fan made or made adjacently to to cash in on a bigger IP. That this is stuff that actually lends to the overall story and is done well from a production standpoint. And if you know kind of the the history behind the company that was putting it out and kind of where they started getting picked up and taken seriously by the actual company itself and all of that and kind of the grassroots of it all. It's, it's a pretty cool story of, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of like Kevin Eastman in that regard. It's cool when you see nerds get to live out what yeah. they love to do and turn it into like their nine to five. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned the eighth doctors, doctor who audiobooks with, um, I can't remember her name right now. I have to read it. But some of the audio books and audio stories out there by Doctor Who are just as good as the TV show. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Strong recommendation. Oh, I would say for me, and this might be, this might lend to, because this is the perfect medium for me. I like, I really like, I feel like I was born out of time in, in the whole era of like radio programs and things like that, because I really do enjoy those audio only stylings and things like that. And so for me, some of those, some of those audiobook uh, episodes play better than some of the, their, their visual contemporaries. Well, so based off what I just learned, you guys can be looking forward to some future episodes where Joe and I talk about the Superman radio show. Um, yes. If you guys want to hear more of our stuff, you can go to systematicgeekology.org, hit host. Joe and I are both there. Everything we do. The other episodes we talked about Doctor Who on are also under the topics tab. You can hit topics, go down to Doctor Who and see those other episodes there. Um, and you guys could let us know on the same website of what you guys have been geeking out on, what we should be geeking out on, and do us a favor and just please remember we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.